Good evening, everyone. I hope and trust that everyone had a good day, possibly with family and grandchildren and maybe great-grandchildren. Uh, it's good to have times that families can come together. One of the uh, phrases that usually comes up at this time of year in the world around Christmas time is found in Luke chapter 2 and verse 14. And the context here you'll recognize is uh, the angels appearing to the shepherds announcing the birth of the Messiah, the Savior. And uh, as they make this announcement to the shepherds, all of a sudden, along with the angels, there is a host of heaven appearing and uh, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And usually, it seems the world interprets that on earth, peace, goodwill toward men as being peace in the world in general. And uh, it's usually used to promote uh, earthly, worldly peace. Uh, no more wars, let's everybody get along on the same page and everything. And it has drawn the criticism of many uh, to say, well, what good was Jesus coming uh, to bring peace? Uh, there is no peace, there hasn't been peace, there won't be peace. But actually, that's a wrong interpretation of, of that verse. The peace that uh, is spoken of here when it says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, is referencing the peace that Christ came to make between man and God. And we know how that played out in his life, in the flesh, in his sacrifice, in his return uh, to heaven, that cross, the sacrifice, the bloodshed on the cross made possible peace between man and God. And it made provision whereby man can have peace with God through the gospel. Sometimes it's called the gospel of peace. Jesus is even referred to elsewhere in the scriptures as the prince of peace. And so it is really talking about peace between man and God made possible by the cross that is facing this young Christ child as he is brought into the world in fleshly form. But even more than that, it's also referencing peace among Christians, children of God within the body of Christ, the church. And that's what I want us to focus on tonight the rule of peace among Christians. And we're gonna be looking at Colossians chapter three, if you want to turn there, the first 17 verses. I'll go ahead and read it, and we're going to be looking at a section of this reading in a moment. If then you were raised with Christ, and here it's referring to baptism. We are buried with Christ in baptism. We are raised with him to walk in newness of life. If then you were raised with Christ, seek things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died 
and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now... You yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we'll notice here in particular verses 11 through 15 of this text, talking about the rule of peace among Christians. We know from verse 11, and actually verses 9, 10, and 11, there in 9 and 10 when it says, uh, talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man, uh, there is the reference in Romans chapter 6, after one has been buried with Christ into his death and raised to walk in newness of life, then he has crucified the old man and put on the new man. And that's what he's talking about here. So we understand that baptism actually is what unites us in Christ. Baptism. It puts very different people together in one body. In Christ, differences are not to separate us. And then in verse 15 of the text, we see that peace keeps us united in Christ. Baptism unites us, and peace is that which keeps us united in Christ. Here in this verse, we're called to peace. We're called in one body. And in this text, uh, verses 11 through 15 of Colossians 3, I think we see four essentials of peace among Christians in the body of Christ. And we're going to be looking at each one of these four. First, there is humility. Second, 
patience. Third, forgiveness. And fourth, love. So consider the first essential of peace among Christians. Humility. Humility and meekness have to do with how we view ourselves. In verse 12, notice again, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. And so meekness or humility is the opposite of pride and vanity, and it creates the context for patience, forgiveness, and love, the other three essentials, because it empties oneself of self. That's what humility does, and it's the only one of the four that points inward and makes possible the other three. Only one of the four as I said, focuses inward. We must have the proper view of self before the other three can even occur. In Philippians chapter 2, in verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And so we see then that Christian peace begins with humility. The second essential to peace among the body of Christ is patience. And patience is absolutely necessary for peace among Christians. Now if we look at human nature, human nature would have everyone to be like me. If everybody were like me, uh, no, there would be no problems if everybody were just like me. Why can't the world see that? Why can't my wife see that? When fellow Christians do not think, talk, or act like me, then what happens? We want to criticize, accuse, and condemn them. And therefore, patience is required. Patience here in the text in verses 12 and 13 is defined by long-suffering, is the New King James rendering, and bearing with one another. So suffering is what happens when the differences of others gets on my nerves. Have you ever been there? Uh, have you ever thought of it as suffering? But... We must suffer long. We must be long-suffering, and that is patience. Bearing with, in this text, implies that the differences of other Christians might cause us to want to separate ourselves from them or to distance myself. Rather, patience causes me to bear with him thus maintaining peace and unity. We've all been there. And if we exercise patience, we can get along with one another and you can uh, overlook some of my quirks and uh, other oddities and I can yours. We are together in the body of Christ, different kinds of people, 
but in Christ we're one. So it begins with humility, peace. Peace also requires patience. But then in the third place, peace also requires forgiveness. Differences among Christians can often cause offense. And uh, it's unavoidable. At some time or another, you are going to be offended by a brother or sister. I am going to be offended. Sometimes it's intentional, but I'd like to think most of the time it's unintentional, but it happens. We are offended. And offenses can lead to not wanting to associate with or be around the one who is offending. Offenses can lead to not wanting to associate with or to be around the one doing the offense. But if we have humility, pride will not be allowed to nurse the difference. An unforgiving spirit will prevent peace and will destroy unity. We can't have that in the body of Christ. And look at verse 13. Still talking about forgiveness. It says, if I have a complaint against a fellow Christian, the directive here is to forgive them. Just forgive them. Why? Because Christ forgave us. How many times? Seventy times seven. And the ability to forgive will preserve peace and maintain unity. So we're looking at the essentials of maintaining or having peace among the body of Christ. It begins with humility. It is made possible by patience and forgiveness. And then the fourth one is love. Love is an essential to peace within the body of Christ. Look at verse 14 in the text. There it says, but above all these things, just as, uh, I'm going to have to get a larger print Bible. I see that right now. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We're all familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. And in verses 4 through 7, this love that Paul is referring to here in Colossians 3 is described in detail. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 reads, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not practice, uh, parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You're familiar with the fact that there are various words translated as love, and the one, the Greek word translated love here happens to be agape, that sacrificial uh, sacrificing love. And that's what's being discussed here. 
And he says here back in Colossians 3, verse 14, that love is the bond of perfection. It's the glue, if you will, that holds humility, patience, and forgiveness together. Agape love then allows us to love one another in spite of our irritating differences. And when it says that we are to put on this love, it indicates that this love is willed. It may be that some things about my brother or sister that makes it difficult to love them, uh, him or her. But even when it doesn't come natural to love my brother or sister, I can will myself to love him. And I'm often uh, thinking of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before his crucifixion when we talk about this kind of love and uh, what it means being love that is willed because the humanity of Jesus at this point as he prays time and again for the Lord to remove this cup of suffering that he was facing, finally ends up saying, nevertheless, he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus willed himself to go through with it, and he did. And we can too, to the best of our ability. Sometimes we're unlovely. And it seems like within the body of Christ, oftentimes uh, it's harder to get along than people in the world. I don't know why that's the case. But it seems to me that oftentimes it is. And we're talking here about peace, the rule of peace within the body of Christ. So we need to learn how to will. And that's what agape loves means. It is to do whatever that is in the best interest of the other, not myself. Even when it doesn't come natural, I can will myself to love that brother or sister who is unlovely to me. And so we've looked at the four essentials of peace among Christians, humility, patience, forgiveness, and love. And maintaining peace in the body of Christ, it really is not easy. The key is allowing peace to, according to verse 15 of our text, to rule in our hearts. And when peace rules, over our stubborn wills, then unity in the body of Christ is preserved. This is the peace of God, and we are to be thankful for it. Paul, I think, sums up pretty well what we've been talking about in Romans 14 and verse 10, where he says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace, and the things by which one may edify another. Brethren, my hope and prayer tonight in this brief lesson is that uh, we would allow 
this peace to rule in our hearts. Let's love one another. Let's encourage one another. Even when you find it hard to love me, I hope you will, and the same with me and you. Peace in the body of Christ. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's why he was born of a virgin. That's why he was living in the flesh among us as man. Why he went to the cross as that perfect once-for-all sacrifice on the cross that God was satisfied with and accepted and makes possible for my salvation. And I am in the body of Christ. You are my brother and my sister in Christ throughout the world. We have a large family. And we pray that God will help us to maintain the rule of peace among Christians. If you're here tonight and you're subject to the invitation, we encourage you to respond. Make things right before you leave the building. If you're not a Christian, we pray that you will act upon your faith and be willing to turn from your sins, repent. Be willing to confess the name of Christ and be willing to be buried with Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of sins. If you're subject to the invitation, we beg you to come at this time as we stand and sing.